0: Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And this podcast is brought to you by Everything's, Everything's Coming, Coming Up Simpsons. Simpsons. Make sure to tune in on September 11th. We are talking about the episode Radio Bart with a special guest you may recognize. Hi, I'm Nancy Cartwright. And actually, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? We're so excited. Oh, this, this is so good. This was one of our favorite episodes you have ever done. Mark your calendars. I don't know. You're probably already downloading it. What What is this life? Uh, September 11th, we are joined by, you already heard her, Nancy Cartwright. We're so excited. Please tune in. All right. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage, the new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham,
1: and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie.
0: Hi, my name is Heather Graham, and I'm playing Dorothy Tyson in the movie The Last Rampage. Last Rampage is a true story about uh, Gary Tyson and how his sons broke him out of prison and uh, it's a very dark story and Gary Tyson is not a good guy. I play his wife and I'm super loyal and devoted to him even though he's pretty much the worst person in the world
1: in theaters September 22nd, and available for
0: on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at LastRampageFilm or on Facebook.com slash Last Rampage Film.
2: Audio. This episode of The X-Files Files is brought to you by Squarespace.com. Go to Squarespace.com slash X-Files Files for a free trial and 10% off. Hey, welcome to the X-Files Files. I'm your host, Kamel Nanjiani. Uh, today's guest is uh, Devin Farachi, uh, who's the badass in chief at BadassDigest.com. He was also on the first episode of the show. You remember that. So I brought him back because we're doing another um, Myth Arc episode, and I thought it'd be, in- it'd be interesting to uh, have him come back. The next Myth Arc episode, um, I know I'm having Emily come on. Emily Gordon, my wife, come on to do the season finale and the season premiere of season two because I really like those episodes. Um, and I think I'm going to have a comeback for Dwayne Barry in Ascension, which is probably my favorite two-parter in, in the entire series. But this episode is for Farachi. We talk about Fallen Angel, and we talk about Eve. And they're both really, really, really good episodes in different ways. Um, and it's interesting how, you know, I sort of remembered Fallen Angel as being a major part of the myth arc. And it kind of is, but it really you sort of get the sense watching it how they're trying to figure out what this big arc is going to be um and you know i i sort of realized watching it like oh it works really well as a standalone i kind of you know in my memory remember the myth arc was being this thing that it's very hard to jump into and stuff but watching this episode at least in the beginning we'll see as it sort of develops but in the beginning these episodes stand on their own uh it's really interesting both these episodes are really fantastic so please uh please um uh, watch the episodes listen to the show you can email me. I'm getting fantastic emails from you guys. You can email me at xfilesfiles at gmail.com. And I think I'm going to start reading these uh, emails on the air. Um, you guys have some really fantastic ideas. It's actually kind of over- overwhelming. I don't know which emails to include or not. There's a couple that kind of made me cry, so I don't want to read those because those <laughs> it'll be embarrassing. Um, anyway, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please email me. Oh, and follow us on Twitter at xfilesfiles. And um, enjoy the show. Oh, so Devin Farachi is back. Hey, Devin, thank you for coming. Well, thank you for having me. Um, we're going to talk about um, a couple of really good episodes, I think. Yeah. Yeah, these are really good ones. So the first one is uh, a Fallen Angel, and it's written by Howard Gordon and Alex Ganza, directed by Larry Shaw. And Howard Gordon and Alex Ganza, I said last time, they went on to create Homeland and stuff. So it's these guys. What did you think of that episode? I liked it a lot, you know, and it's funny rewatching it.
1: This is one of those episodes that was really interesting. It, it, it kind of gave me that nostalgia feeling of it reminding me of what it was like watching it the first time right. around. And there was a couple of things in it that really, I mean, it's a really fun episode in terms of how it builds the UFO mythology, even though it doesn't feel like it really fits into the UFO mythology
2: because the government seems to have no clue what's going on? Yeah, well, I think it's maybe that they can later say, well, you know, certain parts of the government know, certain parts of the government don't know. Or there's different kinds of aliens. Or there's different kinds of aliens, right? But the the interesting thing, I read a lot about this. So people... Uh, people said that they wanted, like, a 15-second recap of the episode. It's um, something lands, like, crashes somewhere in, where is it? Like, Wisconsin or something like that? Yeah, it's
1: in, like, Wisconsin or Michigan, and it's a meteor.
2: It's a meteor, we, 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 yeah.
1: It's interesting. The cold open begins with we're in, like, uh, uh, some kind of Air Force security, like, uh, tracking, NORAD kind of a thing. Yeah. And they're tracking this on the radar, and all of a sudden this, like, you know, guy, uh, this uh, uh, upper-level... Uh, brass comes in. And it's like, yeah. no, this it's is a media. meteor. It's yeah. like, sir, it's, it's it's just made a left turn.
2: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, there's another great scene later where there's another meteor, and she says, uh, sir, the meteor seems to be hovering over a small <laughs> town in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like fun stuff. But it is interesting. I was reading about it. Um, oh, and then this is the one where we are introduced to uh, Max Fennig, who we'll talk about him more later. But this is that episode. He's like this UFO nut guy. I was reading... And those guys didn't know the mythology, like they hadn't mapped it out. Right. So they're kind of making it up as they're going along. And you can kind of see that and there's good and bad to it. Obviously, the bad is that later, you know, it, there's a tendency for it to get out of hand. But the good thing is that these episodes work as standalones. You know, they don't need to be tied into some big sort of thing. Like th- this sort of works as its own story. And it's so... Got like a satisfying ending and everything.
1: Yeah, and because there isn't a larger mythology that they're building towards, they're not dropping in little things that feel like they're out of place. They're just telling a story about a thing that happens. Yeah, and they're just giving us the edges of it. And yeah. because they don't know what the center of it is, it allows the edges to be legitimately like mysterious. It feels actually like you're discovering things. Yeah, uh, and it's it's it's, it's kind of cool.
2: Well, there's that great scene where right in the beginning where Mulder sees it under that tarp. And that was so exciting to see. Like, it's just under that tarp. It's right there. (laughs) And you feel like you're there with him. You know, like, what's under that fucking tarp? And (laughs) and it happens so much in the show where, like, Mulder gets so close. Like, he takes pictures. The pictures get taken away from him. So I thought that was – this one is the first one. You know, I really loved – all the ones I've rewatched, and whenever I hear the music, it makes me f- smile. But this was the first one I, f- I felt in my dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I really like felt this one. Like I was like, oh, okay, now I'm like super locked in again. Well, this one has like a lot of
1: the platonic ideal elements of what an X Files episode is. It has Mulder off being, you know, kind of driven and doing his own thing. It has Scully showing up and not believing him, and she keeps showing up just a little bit too late. Where yeah, she's just outside of the warehouse as all the crazy stuff is happening. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And then it has like the government conspiracy. It has deep throat coming in and help helping. Like yeah. it has all of these elements that make it like probably like if I was going to show somebody an X Files episode, this I mean, is a great. It, one. The pilot's a great place to start. But yeah, this is a
2: really good one that I just feel like this is what the X Files is. This is it right Yeah, here. and the deep throat, deep throat guy shows up right in the beginning. Tells somebody go that guy is awesome. Yeah. Every word, sentence he says is awesome. He has that great voice. Yeah, he has a great voice. And then, as we were saying, this is the one where we meet Max Fennig and you. We ran in, I ran you on the street like a couple of days ago, and you told me about the hat that he's yeah, wearing. Yeah, so Max
1: Fennig is wearing a hat. Uh, he belongs to a group called NICAP, and NICAP is a real UFO group that had disbanded. Oh. Well before this episode. But as a UFO nerd growing up, I was really interested in all these weird UFO groups uh, that kind of came out of the 50s and 60s when people were, were taking it seriously. Uh-huh. And like, they were like citizen groups, and then the citizen groups became kook groups. Yeah. And then uh, the NICAP is one of the kook groups. Yes. And uh, NICAP is really interesting because they fell apart uh, over membership issues, and there was a lot of people going back and forth claiming that uh, the government had uh, infiltrated NICAP. And had put troublemakers into oh. Nightcap to break it up to keep the people from the truth. Oh, man. That's awesome. A, it's a beautifully x Filesy kind of a thing.
2: Yeah, that really is. And Max Fenwick is an awesome character. They have this great exchange where uh, Mulder is like, what makes you so sure that something's out there? Which is like such a non-Mulder for, thing for him to say. Like, this guy's so crazy. Right. But even Mulder is like, what makes you so sure? And then Max says, same thing that makes you so sure. And there's this moment where Mulder's like, shit, am I this guy? He's like, I'm not. I wear suits and I go to the barber. I'm not in an RV, like, listening for signals, you know? So I thought the dynamic was really, really great because it sort of reminds Mulder of, you know, sort of like a slightly um, exaggerated version of himself.
1: Well, it's funny because uh, Max Fennig recognizes Mulder uh, not just as one of his own, but literally knows who he is. Uh, M.F. Luder. Uh, M.F. Luder, and he also knows him from his uh, ex- his travel expenses.
2: Oh, uh, that's right, th- the he, pap-
1: public record. Yeah, he freedom of information acted it, which is interesting is that F.M. Luder wrote about uh, the Gulf Breeze sightings, which are real UFO sightings. It's a real, very famous UFO flap that began in Florida in 1987. Wow! And it was some of the clearest UFO photos ever taken. And you've seen them? I've seen them. Everybody, there was a point like when they were doing like uh, alien autopsy, real fake or fiction, uh-huh. uh, or f- fact or fake. Uh, this was stuff is on TV all the time. And uh, the Gulf Breeze sightings ended up being debunked. They found uh, models in the guy's house. Oh, uh, that's a bummer. Um, but I kind of like the idea that FM Looter is writing about the Gulf Breeze yeah. stuff because it is like – in when this show aired, that was uh, – those sightings began in 87, and they would have been like – you know, again, for like a nerd like me, that would have been like a hot topic of yeah. current debate. So yeah. it, was, it was pretty cool they were touching
2: on it. And I like the idea that Mulder isn't just investigating these through like official and unofficial channels. He's also like writing papers right. that get published on these like fucking kooky <laughs> right. circles it's and Terrible,
1: stuff. terrible names. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the thing is that this is his life. That's what's really cool about it is it isn't just like, you know, what he's doing for
2: work, it is what he's literally doing all the time. And he. Uh, in the beginning, does not like Max Fennig. Uh, He's sort of annoyed by him. But then there's that great scene that we talked about last time where um, Max Fennig is having that seizure and Mulder just like holds on to him for like 30 seconds. And it's like, you don't see that on network TV, like just a guy having a horrific seizure for a little while. It's so sweet. It's really
1: endearing that the way that Mulder holds him is really comforting uh, it's really loving. Yeah, it really uh, is. Uh, and, it, and it really is. It, well, I remember when I was uh, watching this show for the first time, uh, being really moved by that. Yeah, like, it was just like this is like he's a good guy.
2: Yeah, and he like sort of cares for these people. And at the end of the episode, there's like a great scene where he's sort of talking to the guys. I guess we'll, we'll talk about that later, but it's coming up where he. Basically, I think what this episode does, it recasts Mulder's sort of personal crusade to find the truth into more of like a righteous crusade, you right. know, where it's more like for all the people, for all the Max Fennigs out there and stuff. So it sort of, at least for him, gives it more of uh, like just not not just a personal thing, you know, like a, uh, I thought that was interesting. I, I, this is one of my favorite like minor characters on the X-Files. He's only in a total of three episodes. But he's really, like, I don't know. I haven't seen that actor actor, in anything
1: else. I looked him up after watching the episode because he is so good, and you're like, wow, why isn't this guy working more? Uh, I guess he teaches acting school in
2: Vancouver. Oh, okay. Uh,
1: But he has a great look and just has, like, a really uh, sweet feel to him.
2: Yeah, he's very, like, obviously he's playing, like, this kooky, weirdo guy, but he feels very sweet. Like, he's very endearing, even though he's this, you know, sort of filthy, hippie looking guy. that's
1: the thing. It'd be really easy for that character to be irritating or that character to be a pain in the ass or to be creepy,
2: but. It's he's not he's he's how, just adorable. How great would it be if you were taking an acting class and you had no idea because no one knows what his real name is and you go in and you're like, wait, is, are you Max <laughs> Fennig? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, we were talking about uh, what you were saying was that it doesn't seem like the government really knows like what's going on. So there's this predator alien thing running around right. and they're trying to get it and they have an exchange with like some of the military guys who so they're like it won't get away not this time. So this is something that they're aware of and that they've been trying to catch and there's a couple moments where Mulder says to the you know military guys we're on the same side right. and at the end when they get to max he's like they 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 beat us to him, you know. So it's so far in this episode a little bit it Mulder it seems like um he thinks that they're on the same side or something well it's so
1: weird right because there's a lot of weird stuff about the aliens in this episode because in other episodes it really becomes quite clear that the u.s government knows 100 percent everything about the aliens yes and so it's weird that they're even hunting these aliens at all these aliens don't have any of the characteristics of any of the other aliens that we see in the series yeah Uh, they like they appear to be midgets (laughs) <laughs> Do they? Well, because they're, they're, all they? those POV <laughs> cams are, like, way Very down angle level. They're, like, yeah. tiny little things. They're all these Sam Raimi cam shots. Yes. That's what they're obviously aping is evil dead Sam yes, Raimi of course. stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's so funny because that's not something that's ever repeated ever again. Uh, so later on, like, in the series, they, they make some references that there are different alien races. So I guess we can assume this is just another is just an, one that just happened upon us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, later I'll read some quotes from the writers and stuff, but they talk – they're very candid about the fact that they didn't they didn't really think they were going to build like a bigger mythology right. out of this it just sort of happened somewhat organically
1: there's a cool thing also about the mythology of this um, which is that it, the episode ends with Mulder getting called up in front of uh, you know an FBI. Oh yeah, and he group. says
2: uh, no government has jurisdiction over the truth Remember, He says something something badass like that.
1: And it's a great moment because it's one of those moments where they are 10 episodes into the series and they go, look, we recognize that every single episode he's gonna be pissing off the government. Yeah. so let's explain right now why they don't just get rid of the guy. And they just, it's very nice, it's very quick. Deep Throat, you know, has that moment at the end. But at the same time, if the show got canceled... If you just cut the deep throat bit out at the end, that's a pretty good ending oh, yeah. for the show. It's like Mulder's like, fuck you. I'm going to keep doing – even if yeah. you get rid of me, I'm going to keep investigating. Yeah, uh, It's kind of a badass ending to the series if they if they happen to have gotten canceled at episode 10.
2: Well, it's it's also really interesting because they uh, – deep throat and then later Mr. X and then uh, after that Skinner. There are all these characters that you never really know what side they're on. They right. sort of seem to be playing both sides. And you don't know like what they're – there's no good hierarchy of these guys. <laughs> like no. who answers to who? It's no, just like, it's just weird. like muddled. <laughs> yeah, like later there's the I don't I forget what they're called, but they're like a syndicate or something where all all it's those called old, the syndicate are they called that? All yeah. the old white dudes in yeah. the room, and then but then somehow cigarette smoking man is above them too. Like it's it's all kind of vague, but um, the fact that it isn't completely spelled out makes it. I think more mysterious and exciting, where you're like, "Oh my," you know, I I don't understand what's going on, but it seems like even they don't really either. Yeah,
1: it 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 nicely captures the unknowability of all this weird conspiracy stuff that none yeah. of it none of it actually makes sense and doesn't quite add up, but yeah. it all feels menacing and it all feels yeah. pretty cool. Um, this episode is also really cool because again, as a UFO nerd. Uh, it seems to be heavily influenced by a real case, Uh, the Kecksburg UFO crash. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and uh, let me look at my notes here because I wrote a couple things down about it. Uh, That was one of the ones that I really was obsessed with as a kid. It happened in 65 uh, in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. It was supposed to be a meteor that crashed just in the woods outside of town. And people uh, called the police and were like, there's something crashed in the woods and when first emergency responders got there uh, there was a military presence that would not oh. let them get any closer and like oh it's a media don't worry about it when was this this is 65 okay and uh there were all these great stories that came out of it that researchers later on went to the town and began in- interviewing people and it's tough because these interviews happened you know 10 15 years later so who knows what the truth is oh yeah, is. sure people tell stories about like seeing um th- that that scene where they have the the UFO under the tarp. Uh, people talked about seeing a weird object under a tarp on the back of a flatbed truck oh, being sweet. taken out of the out of the woods. And so, like over time, the story has evolved from it was a meteor to oh, it was a cr- it was a crashed Libyan jet. Oh, they say that yeah, on this episode. It on that episode, there was a it was a crashed jet from it was a Libyan. It was Libyan in the show. It was a Russian jet in real life, supposedly. And then it was a. Um, and then it was a uh, U.S. testing of a stealth thing in sixty-five years before it was ever known. Okay. And then, but who knows? Like, so it's it's but it's that perfect UFO story of something happens. Yeah, we know something happens. And then, yeah. but just we don't know what any of it is or what any of it means.
2: Yeah, and I think that's why this episode is so good because Chris Carter really does take a lot of these actual UFO stories. Right. You know, so there's like that. Grain of truth. It feels real, like all the stuff with the military th- that sort of takes over the small town. There's that great scene where the doctor, like sort, uh, you know, he's trying to kick the uh, Scully out of the hospital, right. and the doctor has this moment like, hey, this is my hospital. Right. So that's like the little guy standing up against the military, you know. And he, there's this great writer. His name's Darren Mooney. Uh, he runs a website called the Movie Blog. And he's, he talks a lot about these issues. He says, he's talking about, you know, the military taking over. He says, these are the ghosts of the Second World War coming back to haunt us. These are nightmare reflections of trouble in foreign lands, the unsettling sense that no matter how often we might assure ourselves that it could never happen here, it probably could. Um, and Howard, suggest that America cannot exist outside of a state of perpetual warfare and competition. The enemy just changes. Having defeated the rival power block on the planet, the military's eyes turn Skyward. So it's, I think it's really interesting because it does have those things of like, you know, you see World War II and people like, uh, governments imprisoning their own people, right. you know, putting them in concentration camps. They're like, we're not like that. But this show's like, oh, well,
1: I think like- also it's really interesting to remember that the X-Files, uh, aired just after the end of the Cold War. And so there's a lot of that happening yeah. here, too. The idea that the enemy's already here. Yeah. The idea that, uh, they're among us. And then the idea that, uh, you can't tell what the, that the U.S. government will go to any lengths to defeat this enemy, including, you know, shutting us out of our own towns. And it's interesting because you look at Close Encounters of the Third Kind has that same thing yes. where they they fake this the, the the train accident to clear out the town so they can bring the UFO in, uh, which is based on a true UFO story as well. That's awesome. Uh. uh so it's, it's got that – it has, you know, the World War II stuff is there, and that World War II definitely casts a huge shadow over the X-Files moving forward. But a lot of it to me is very Cold War, which is that – you, th- you hope the government's doing these things for the right reasons, but you're not sure, and they're not telling you what any of the reasons are anyway. Yeah. So it's like one of those things where it's, you know— they're going to come they're going to take somebody away because they've just visited you know East East Berlin Yeah, and you're like well I hope that was the right guy well
2: yeah it's like Guantanamo shit you right. know it's it's that kind of stuff and it's still happening there's um and then later that same with the doctor where he now he's, he says to the doctor he's like we're not in the hospital anymore you know it's like <laughs> such a such a horrible badass moment um, which is
1: really interesting that Mulder says we're on the same side to that guy
2: yeah because he's so clearly not on the same no, side no that guy's a monster yeah
1: he's a real Asshole, and, <laughs> uh, and it's just—it's—I—I I, I, watching that episode again. I was trying to figure out if Mulder was just saying the things to say them.
2: Yeah, maybe just to like sort of get on his side. Yeah, to... I mean, just in,
1: in, in that moment, that—that that, that's not a very Muldery thing to do.
2: No, it's not. Although at the end, when he says, you know, they—they—they—they uh, they, uh, they, they beat us to him. There's no reason for him to say that because it's already over by that point. That's also a weird thing for Mulder to say too because it um maybe this is like
1: my one big complaint about the episode it recasts Max Fenig as not a human being but as a pawn and for Mulder that's exactly the opposite of what his position should be in this kind of stuff in that for the government these The you know the abductees that have implants are pawns, right? But for Mulder, Max Fenig should be a human being, right? So it's weird that he says that to that guy. I'm not wild about that that bit. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that. Especially because he seems to really want to be helping Max in the warehouse. Yeah, as Max is being
2: abducted. That scene in the warehouse is great. Where there's the two heat signatures and then a third one, like the midget one or whatever, in the corner. That one's great.
1: And you know the thing is also Max hanging in the air. um, Yes. Like it's very
2: low budget. It really works. It looks. It looks great. It looks great. It looks great. That blue light, like you see that sort of image in the X-files for years to come. Yeah. Um, There's, uh, um, what was the other thing? Oh, so we were talking for a second about the conspiracy theory stuff. And this is what Darren Mooney said about it. I thought he'd put it well. This is stuff we've talked about. He says, that's the nature of conspiracy theories, isn't it? They impose order on a chaotic universe. Sure, it might be rational and illogical order, but it's order nonetheless. It's easier to believe that somebody has a plan, that all these troubles are rooted in some purpose, no matter how cynical. I want to believe more as a religious mantra than a catchy statement of intent. Conspiracy theories assume that we stand at the center of the universe, that those in the know... Have some unique perception of the world around them, some greater knowledge about everything that is going on. So that you know, that sort of really ties into what Mulder really wants to believe—that there's some sort of conspiracy thing going on. But what this episode sort of suggests is that there really kind of isn't so far. They're just kind of winging it, trying to do the right. best they can. Does, I
1: mean, you know what? Uh, forgive me if my memory is, is faulty. Does this the one that ends with Mulder
2: in a church? No, the one that ends with Mulder in the Church, I believe, is the second episode. Oh, okay. Episode Cause I, two, yeah. Because it's, it's,
1: cause talking about the idea of this stuff as faith is such an interesting sort of uh, – that's such an interesting moment uh, yes. that, that, that that calls back to that. You know, it's really interesting. That's the reason why all the 9-11 conspiracies exist is because the idea that oh, yeah. the government just couldn't get their shit together to stop this is way scarier yes. than the idea that the government is so in control right. that they're pulling this off. And that that's – it's it's comforting to believe – that these guys have such control uh, that they're making all of these pieces move, as opposed to
2: re- reality is just random chaos. Yeah, it's and you can get chaos. hit by a bus any any moment. I mean, that's what you know. That's what religion is. People believe in religion, so it gives structure to the universe. People believe in conspiracy theories because it gives structure to the universe. When in reality, I mean, it is all kind of just fucking random shit happening, you know. And people like uh, Scully and Mulder are trying to like you know, fit it in boxes that it's one of those interesting
1: things that I, the show I feel like never quite nailed was that dichotomy between Mulder and Scully with his conspiracy stuff and her, her religious faith stuff. Yeah. And it, the the, pro, the reason why it never works is because the show by its nature needs to prove that Mulder's right. Right. Because that we need that for the show. Uh, otherwise there's is no show. Uh, if there was, there are some episodes that definitely lean towards the supernatural for Scully uh there's visions and ghosts and stuff like that that definitely in that way. But the show definitely goes more Mulder's way. Uh but I I like that that dichotomy, the idea the idea of it's different kinds of faith. That it's yes. e- even though Mulder believes he's a man of science. It really is an enormous amount of
2: faith. Yeah, it's blind faith the same way. Like, you you see a lot of episodes where he makes these kind of crazy leaps of logic just because he really wants to believe. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about Eve. He does that. He does that a bunch. And the episode before this that we talked about, Ice, uh, you see Mulder being... Sort of this really paranoid, crazy character. So you see like the flip side of that in that episode. But in this one, he's right. So it's good to sort of see him back on like... I think that's one of the neat things
1: about the character too is that the way that they allow him to be wrong without undermining his larger credibility to the audience that he can be wrong. He can yes. jump in and make the wrong conclusion at the beginning of an episode. Yes. That he can be a little bit cocky and think that he knows exactly where it's going. And that also helps in terms of storytelling because if Mulder opens the episode and goes, well, this is clearly
2: aliens. Yeah.
1: And then it's not, then we're like, oh, wow, what? Yeah. What's going on? Right. It's pretty cool to pull the rug out from under him as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that happens in the next episode. Um, so with this episode, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Oh, yeah, the personal crusade that becomes like more of a thing. Um, so I, I started sort of talking about ratings, you know? Um, so this episode had a uh, 5.1 million household. Uh, watched it, 5.4 share, which I don't know if anybody really knows what that means. Um, this is not only the lowest rated episode of the season, but the lowest rated episode of the entire X-Files run. The entire run of the X Files. This is the single lowest rated episode.
1: You know what's funny is a lot of shows would kill for that rating today.
2: Oh my god, of course. Five point four? I mean you're a superstar then. Yeah. You're winning Emmys and shit. Yeah. Yeah. They would kill for that rating. That's crazy. I was I've been looking at this stuff and it's uh yeah, like a well a rating of five point four. That's huge. I remember when like community hit would hit once, people would get excited, you know? Yeah. Three million
1: yeah. people watch Mad Men and it's like, Oh my god, that's amazing. Right. It's like unbelievable. And yeah. yeah, this is uh it's so funny, yeah. This is um I guess it's really good that the next episode they change course a little bit in terms of what it is because I can under sort of understand like ten weeks in and you're like, Oh, okay, it's the UFO show. Yeah. And so I you know what I mean? Like even no, though it's a great keep, episode, yeah. I could I can imagine being a, a normal person seeing the ad on Fox and going, Oh, okay yeah there's a, a ufo
2: again yeah it's a ufo again but then they sort of uh uh yeah uh, grab the rug out from under you so and then i went on these messages do you have something you want to say before we move on to the next episode
1: well if you have these message
2: boards oh yeah so what they, i what
1: the fans thought at the time yeah
2: it's really interesting because one of the things is when tombs first shows up they're like wait what the fuck why aren't there aliens in it so people are sort of figuring out the show as it's going um And they're sort of talking about, you know, uh, uh, they're trying to piece together the conspiracies. This guy says the government seems to know quite a bit. The colonel was wise to the fact that Max was not just an innocent civilian when his patrol tried to pick him up, but not everything. His actions, his action teams uh, seemed about as well prepared to deal with the alien as a troop of six year olds would be to deal with the Bengal tiger. (laughs) Um, and so, and then they're talking about a lot about Deep Throat, where he says, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. People are going back and forth about, you know, is this, um, um... Uh, he says, what better way to keep Mulder closer than by throwing him a tidbit now and again? As long as he works for the agency, what can he do? From what I can tell, Deepthroat wanted Mulder to know about the crash site, and I'd say that Deepthroat got together with the FBI guy. Is he the head or just someone high up? I don't know. You never find out. Never, <laughs> it never makes any you sense. You never find out about any of these guys, no. uh, which I think is part of— you know It
1: actually seems like Chris Carter and friends did not even bother cracking a single book about how the
2: FBI works. Yeah, They just were like, well, there's probably guys in charge. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> what it does then— Though is it adds a sense like the syndicate that they're just like not in any organization. They're just sort of people just kind of floating around right. who run everything, who answer to nobody, who are sort of you know between the cracks between agencies. Um, so people are talking about that, and then this is interesting. People are then talking about if their friends are into this show. You know, they're like, hey, I really like this show. Are people into this. I went to the school called Grinnell, and when I was there, X-Files was a huge show, and this is towards the end of the run, huge show, like, you know, people get together and watch it. And the, I found a guy here, he says, anybody know if, uh, if the show is catching on with people? I know a lot more people here at Grinnell watch the show wow. now than did when it started. So it was a big show back then. And then this person responds, I really love this. Um, someone asked if the show is catching on. Well, I'm not sure, but I just turned four people into X-Files fans Friday night, and hopefully they'll tell their friends, so it's like this grassroots thing is happening. And then, because there's no real internet, they're talking about how um, they don't show at the end of this episode. There's a couple weeks off, so they don't show you know, next week. And she says, um, there were no promos for next week, so we'll probably have some boring Thanksgiving special in that time slot. Uh, then she's upset. She says, they're showing the Ninja Turtles uh, movie in Seattle in that time slot. Yuck. I thought it's so funny. It's over 20 years, no one's talking about the X-Files. The Ninja Turtles are still fucking eating pizza in the sewers. They're still relevant. They're still around. People are annoyed at them then. People are annoyed at them now. X-Files went away. away Many but the... decades of annoyance. Yeah. Man, what's that movie going to be like?
1: Boy, that's so funny. You know, that reminds me of what it was like. Again, we talked about this when I was on last time how different it was to interact with these kinds of shows as a fan and today like if you're like a fan of you know Agents of Shield they'll put clips online and they'll have things but that didn't happen back oh, then oh it just goes away so i had to wait i used to, i remember as a kid i remember really really well waiting for the sound of the mailman who delivered the tv guide Oh, yeah. And then I'd run, get the TV guide, and then I would go through to all my favorite shows and read the blurb for that week. And then be like, oh, (laughs) so Mulder finds a crashed UFO and be really exciting. Yeah. That would be how I would figure out a lot of these things in advance. Because if
2: you didn't catch the commercial or if they didn't have the promo at the end of the episode,
1: there was no way to know.
2: I find a ton of them where people are like, I was out. I didn't get home in time i missed the first 20 minutes what happens and then people are explaining because it just goes away yeah it just goes away like Mulder's proof you know (laughs) so they uh and then i found all these interviews with the the writers and um chris carter and stuff and they said howard gordon said that they used the episode to ask whether a deep throat was an ally or or foe to Mulder, a question the writers themselves were not yet sure of We thought we'd couch it in the demise of the X Files. So, this is one of the first times where they really talk about the X Files getting shut down. And that's something that sort of continues on throughout the rest of the show, I believe. Again Again and again, again, again. X Files, yeah. Yeah. So, we had a frame within a frame that we worked in. This is from Cinefantastique. Um, uh, Gordon specified the point was to remind the audience that Scully was there, uh, what Scully was there for in the first place, namely to act as a skeptic, compensating for Mulder's devoted belief in the paranormal and, from the FBI's perspective, to discredit his work whenever possible. So this is one that's sort of used to like reset, like, hey, remember, these guys are friends, but she's there for sort of an insidious purpose. Um, They really liked the episode. Gordon said it was a pretty straightforward, uh, straight-ahead story, but uh, Fallen Angel is an episode we're particularly proud of. Chris Carter says, everyone keeps saying this is my favorite episode. I think the director was great. Um, Larry Shaw, Marshall Bell, who played Henderson, that's the bad guy. He really liked him. Uh, very suspenseful right out of the box. You were headlong into the story. It never led up till the end. I think the episode had great effects. And it enlarged our alien repertoire. So now this is a different kind of alien we're sort of seeing.
1: Well, it's funny Has he's sort of having great effects. I feel like it's very low on effects in a yes. very positive
2: way. Yeah. Where they're doing
1: a lot of stuff minimally that in, in ways that, that don't look dated right now. Yeah,
2: uh, so totally. The, the
1: max hanging looks fine. Since most of the alien stuff, all of the alien stuff is POV,
2: Yeah. it doesn't make a
1: difference. Or it's like
2: that weird the predator invisibility effect, the, right. the stealth effect. Yeah. yeah, so
1: I think I think they, they, they really nailed it. Uh, in a way that you probably couldn't do anymore in a world where people want to see stuff yeah, and they're so used oh, to having sure. everything CGI'd in yeah, that they got to play a little bit and not show. And it makes it much more evocative. It makes it much more fun.
2: It really does. He And then he talks about Max Fennec. He says uh, – this is Chris Carter from the uh, DVD special features. Um, he says that Max Fennig represents a kind of kook that we all believe is out there saying, look up in the sky. It's up there. It's out there. I think that was an interesting look into that kind of character out there and the fact that they may be credible and may be seeing and knowing things that we don't. I think there are certain images in it that stand out for me although he's going off on something else there. But he um yeah, I I think that is interesting because he sort of takes like the the stereotypical UFO cook but then gives him a lot more credi- credibility that we've seen and just
1: a lot more adorableness. Yeah, he, that guy's just, great. You could have like a a a plush a plushy Max Fennig like you could hug oh, and totally. go to
2: sleep I w- I, they should have made a Max Fennig action figure we talked about the, fir- the how this was one of the first TV shows that started yeah. having action figures there was never a Max Fennig I don't think
1: I really would not be surprised now that the show has hit this anniversary because it's what it's 20 years now Yeah, it's... that it's at some point in the next little while somebody now that you've brought X-Files back with oh yeah show yeah I've, being, I've, I've rescued it you have brought it back <laughs> from the dead personally uh, I wouldn't be surprised if stuff starts I think there's I think we talked about this last time
2: it's the time is right. The time is right. I have, I get so many emails and tweets from so many people who are like 14, 15, 16, who are like, I've never seen the show. It was just some fucking old show. Listened to the first episode, sounded interesting. And now they started watching it. And then there was, these kids are like ahead of me. They're like, hey, I just saw this episode in season two. Are you going to talk about it? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be a while before we get there because everybody likes to binge watch, right. you know. Uh, I sound so old. They all binge-watch these children. But it's it's been really cool. So it's a lot of people revisiting it. But then a lot of people discovering it for the first time. It's great that it's available on Netflix. You this just is watch a weird it.
1: show to binge-watch because um, while it does have the mythology, it's structured in such a way that each episode feels complete unto itself. Yes. So it doesn't have that orange is the new black thing where you feel like, no, well, I've got to get right into the next one because it's just one 13-hour story. Uh, so it makes binge-watching sort of enjoyable because the the tones keep changing Yes, but it also makes it a little bit harder because you feel like well I've just watched I feel like I've watched six of these
2: well it's also interesting because like Orange is the New Black is very aware that it's been binge watchable so they won't like have every character in every episode like they'll just sort of be like alright so this one is just Piper and then this one is just these guys and it you know because you watch like three or four in a row you sort of get the big picture but if you had an episode where you didn't have you know well I mean it's Mulder or Scully you're the only (laughs) people but you'd be like what the fuck which is what happened Later, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this was this, this. You know, I really loved Ice. That was, you know, probably the first great one from the season. But like I said, this was the one that really, really grabbed me. I really, it, like you said, it's the perfect X Files episode.
1: It's just, it's just everything boiled down to exactly what it needs to be. Uh,
2: this episode of the X Files Files is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy and fast to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code XFilesFiles at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Um, So, you know, this is a great way to build your website. You don't want to go and program and all that stuff. And I've talked before about how hard it is to make a website and it's not fun. And you know what it is? Attention to detail. I don't have attention to detail in the stuff that I don't find interesting. Like, I'll get obsessed with certain things if I really care about it. But when you're making a website and you want the Things to align properly, boring to me. Great thing to do, just go to squarespace.com. It's a very simple, easy to use uh, website. Uh, They have a ton of beautiful design templates you can use, and you just drag and drop content. So, you know, instead of like saying, this goes here, you can just drag it with your mouse, drop it. And if you have any trouble, uh, they have 24 7 support through live chat and email. Uh, They're located in New York, Dublin, and Portland. Plan started just $8 a month. $8 a month, what's that? That's like maybe two Chipotle burritos? I don't, I don't know how <laughs> much Chipotle burritos. It's around there. Um, plan started just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And you're not going to have a website for less than a year, right? You're going to have a website for at least a year. You're going to have it for the rest of your life. So start with a year. Uh, the design is very responsive and you can set up your own uh, online store. And every site comes with an online store. So stuff you want to sell set it up very easy to do um, you can start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today they don't I mean no credit card required That nobody does that you guys know I was on this show. Uh, well, I am on this show on HBO called Silicon Valley. Uh, we're gonna go back and do season two pretty soon. Um, and on that show, my character, along with four other guys, we create a uh, program called Pied Piper. That's how we are trying to sort of make money and sell this thing. And HBO actually set up a website, PiedPiper.com, that's sort of supposed to be set up by you know our characters. It's a uh, viral marketing, and. Uh, they set it up using Squarespace. So Squarespace is the one that set up the official Pipe Piper website. And one thing you can do, if you guys have seen the show, uh, at the end there's an extended conversation about the most efficient way to jack off all of the guys in a room, okay? And we figure out a way that you can jack off four guys at the same time. And if you haven't seen the show, watch the show and you'll know what I'm talking about. Anyway, we sort of get obsessed with that and there's a lot of math involved with how to jack off all of the guys in a room. And uh, all of that math is actually published in a research paper that a Stanford professor wrote. They hired a Stanford professor to do all the math. They published a research paper, and you can find that research paper on PiedPiper.com, which is the website made by Squarespace. So it's good enough for my character on HBO Silicon Valley. It's definitely good enough for you. If it's good enough for a Stanford professor, who wrote an extended paper about the best way to jack off every guy in a room. Um, It's good enough for you. So, yeah, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, please use the offer code uh, XFilesFiles to get 10% off. uh, And to show your support for our show, the XFilesFiles, we thank Squarespace for their uh, support of the show. Squarespace, a better web, starts with your website. Uh, the next episode, Eve, is another great one. This one's written by Kenneth Piller and Chris Brancato, directed by Fred Gerber. None of them ever did anything else with the Exiles; they were just just came in and pitched a bunch of ideas. And the story is that they didn't take any of their ideas, and then while they were filming the show, they realized that they were out of script, so they brought these guys in again. <laughs> um, and I thought this is so funny. Uh, I was watching; I started watching the show, and I was like, "There's a lot of like Law and Order lines. Like, remember when the the kid's there?" And the, the the neighbors are like, hey, where's your dad? And she goes, oh, he's in there. He's on his own. And they're like, well, I think his time's up. Like, <laughs> why would you talk like that unless you know he was dead? Um, and then there's another one where, because they, you know, they sanguinate the guy. They p- get the blood out yeah. of him. And Mulder says he was, it looks like he was running on empty. Like that, those kind of like law and ordery lines, you know, where you, like, Dick Wolf should show up right after that. One of the guys who wrote it, was a big law and order guy. He went on to do like a bunch of was SVU and then he show ran, huh? Was it Broncado? This is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of like uh, criminal intent. He ran yeah. that show for a while. Yeah. So it has those like lines. So people don't remember, this episode starts, there's two very identical murders that happen uh, different parts of the country. Uh, the the father, the fathers have had their blood pulled out of them, And in the beginning, you think it's aliens. And it's these two identical girls. Um, I thought this one was really great because it had a bunch of twists. Like a lot of, yeah. it just kept you guessing. Like a lot of, there was like a twist. It felt like every act, you know, yeah, that really changed the It's perfectly structured
1: for uh, watching with commercials, yeah, because every time you come back from a commercial, you think you figured out where it's going. And yeah. then all of a sudden, oh, that person's actually going to kill that person. Yeah. Uh, this episode breaks the universe. How so? Uh, because this episode is about human cloning. And in the X-Files universe, all of this stuff is secret because we don't know about it. But Mulder and Scully are just allowed to walk directly into the, into the clone was prison. Weird. Why is the clone and nobody, prison? And nobody even like, says anything. They don't even sign like an NDA. They just walk into yeah, the clone prison. Yeah, they just
2: prison. walk in. I thought it was weird that they walk into the clone prison and it just says Eve 6, Eve 7. And they have like, why are they allowed to have family pictures where there's like 20 girls with the same faces? Like, why are they allowed to have that? It's
1: kind of, kind of universe breaking because it, it's this immense paranormal science fiction thing. That is not treated as a total secret. It's kind of it's kind of open.
2: That one is the weird that that's the weird part. And I remembered I remembered this uh, episode as being part of the mythology. And I think because, you know, they later revisit this in sort of a different way. Right. Uh but it really isn't. It's sort of a standalone. You sort of think they're some, gonna some, revisit yeah. these people, but they never do. They sort of leave the door open, but they never do. But they um Yeah, you're right. It is very open. They're just like the numbers are there and they have all the pictures. And And then
1: she's just like, well, this Eve went crazy. And it really is just weird how open they are. This also was spun off, though, uh, into the beloved rock
2: band. Eve Eve Six, six, beloved rock. What was their song? (laughs) Hey, Dustin, can you look up what Eve Six's big song was? I meant to (laughs) find out. And I don't remember what it was. This one has a great like. uh, So in the beginning, Mulder thinks it's UFO related, and he hooks up the projector. And Molly and Scully has this look on her face, like Jesus fucking Christ. Like (laughs) whenever Mulder's hooking up the projector, she's like, Oh God, here we go. Inside Out. How did that go? I don't don't remember at all. I don't remember, I don't remember. that song I might have been
1: already too old uh for pop rock music by the time that happened.
2: So this is an interesting thing. This is what I thought was happening uh but it, they never really spell it out. So first of all, when they're talking to the girl, what they, there's this great scene where Mulder is like, hey, nice bunny. Can I ask you some UFO shit? Like, <laughs> oh, great work. Wow. You really who, I did study behavioral sciences. <laughs> <laughs> great bunny. Um, did you see any? So at that point, she tells Mulder exactly what he wants to hear. Right. She tells him about red lightning, men from the sky, and she says the word exsanguinate. Right is it they never come out and say it do they have some sort of psychic abilities because I know they're sort of connected they're to each other
1: they're definitely connected psychically to each other 100% yes. I mean they plan the murders together yeah. uh, across distance I just, we just knew they yeah. said that so I mean there's, there's a possibility I think this is one of those great x finally things where it's never explained Yeah. and it can just be anything it can be as simple as she is a Sherlock Holmes type because they're super geniuses and oh. she's able to pick up yeah, from the clues, or it can be that she's psychic. I think. Yeah, I think you could argue it either way. Yeah, uh, which is one of those things I like about the X Files when they leave. And this might just be sloppy writing but I like when it's sort of left ambiguous enough. but
2: it's ambiguous in a way where you can connect the dots in a satisfactory way in, right. in, in a bunch of different ways that do make sense to you yeah because these girls are more powerful than the other Eves right. um, it could be that they have psychic abilities they're clearly sort of connected to each other in some kind of way and then later in the message boards uh, we'll talk a lot of people are coming up with their own theories for how this is happening um, there's a great another thing Mulder has like so many fucking lines in this where there's one part where Scully's like um, they were uh you know someone took the girl and he says someone or something and you see she just like sighs and continues and she says uh they put up a roadblock and then Mulder says maybe they weren't looking in the right place and points at the sky the sky should be like uh, none of this is helping. There's a child <laughs> missing. You remember that, right? These are great lines, but this child is missing. We should set on an Amber Alert. Well, they didn't have those then. But Mulder's <laughs> just like getting justified about this. Uh, but yeah, this was a great mystery. There's so many like different sort of um, the, uh, things going on. You see the two girls. You, you never really know what's happening until you know they actually tell you. Even Scully's like, oh, maybe these two girls just kind of look like each other she's like grasping at logical straws and then
1: you think maybe the way this revealed is really great because it's like the um uh the fertility center so you're like oh it's like one of these things like we're like a pervy doctor is knocking up everybody with his kids oh there's a great
2: episode later that does that but it's like great how they
1: reveal all these each step by step how they reveal it. it really is structured really nicely in that way Um, And, again, this is one of those ones where it's really nice that Mulder
2: is just wrong the whole time. He's wrong the whole time. He's just constantly wrong. He's just catching up. They both are. They're both like – because it starts off you think there's aliens. It's not aliens. Then you think it's this evil doctor woman who's doing it. Turns out she's actually not evil. Right. She's trying to help the girls, and it turns out then at the end that the girls are the ones who are evil. This is another thing that happens a lot in the X Files, is where she's with the fertility doctor and he's explaining what in vitro fertilization well, is. You're like, wow. Like, yeah. Does, Did I we not this know that Twenty years ago, but I think like everybody knew. Isn't Scully a doctor? She should be like, hey, yeah, I know. I, I know how this works. <laughs> we put we we should just shove some sperm in there, right? <laughs> so um, you have a turkey baster. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And now we're at the point where we can have movies like The Switch or whatever, and we we know what that is. Uh, they say saying- you know what's
1: actually funny is watching old movies sometimes and the stuff that they feel like they need to explain to the audience that we just take for granted today: science stuff, medicine mm-hmm. stuff, uh, like a lot of stuff like uh, about black holes or faster than light speed travel that we just take for granted today. If you go back thirty or forty years ago and watch yeah. a movie, they really take the time to explain this stuff, and this is maybe, like, one of those, like, on the
2: cusp of, like... Yeah. How
1: dumb is this audience?
2: Well, it's it's interesting because I've been watching, you know, this show, I watch it with headphones, usually, and so I can really pick up on the ADR stuff. Right. And doing Silicon Valley, it's always really interesting, like, because ADR, people who don't know, is, like, when you go back and sort of dub over, over your own lines or you add in lines with the cameras on the back of your head. So in Silicon Valley, we added a lot of, like, because it's like a tech show, so a lot of stuff to, like... Um, Explained because when they cut it together, they realized it wasn't explained enough. So right. I've been like hyper aware of what they do in The X Files, and they do this a lot. There's a scene at the end where you know, they, um, they, the girls get poisoned. And uh, they're, they're all... I mean, the girls poison Mulder and Scully and they both take sips and there's a moment where that's clearly adr yard where Scully goes, "Uh, uh well, she? we didn't drink enough to make us sick and her mouth is not moving. Because <laughs> yeah. clearly Fox saw it and was like, why aren't they dead? Why are they dead? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I thought they'd done a good job of explaining that because the girls talk about, you know, they show the digitalis poison and say you have to in- ingest this much to kill you. Like th- I thought they did a good enough job of explaining that.
1: You know, it's interesting again because I think it's... X-Files was ahead of its time in terms of being the kind of TV show you had to watch, watch. Yes. And so... Maybe that's right. A lot of times, uh, the way that they used to talk about TV back in the day was that it was radio with pictures. And so it's because people will be getting up, going into the room, they'd, is be, that right? they'd be reading. So you have to explain everything out loud that's happening on the screen. So if you watch older shows, oh. somebody will be will be always explaining what's happening because the idea is that, you know, mom is ironing and the kids are she playing with the look floor. The TV. They're not looking at the
2: TV. And yeah. They're just listening to it. So it's just it. them like we're walking to the car now. That so they felt like it.
1: if there was not enough connection between those two things you'd have to explain a little bit harder you know nowadays you don't have to nowadays tv shows are as cinematic as movies and yeah. you have to pay attention and watch what's happening yeah. and there's like layers of intrigue and yeah. if you watch game of thrones you have to understand what somebody's subtext is when oh, they're speaking yeah. but that's not how it
2: was oh in- yeah breaking bad and um breaking bad is all subtext and there was another oh i know you don't like hannibal but hannibal like spells nothing out for the audience later they say stuff and you just kind of have to like piece it together yourself i have to like look up, like write ups about right. it to, to, to figure out what's going on. I
1: don't, I don't dislike, I just don't get Hannibal.
2: Okay, I don't get it. You think I've the guy moves it. his face
1: too much? Oh, he does not stop moving his face. He's he is like in uh, in Fallen Angel when the aliens kill the soldiers. Oh, the and their like, faces are what, going. That's what it's like watching Hannibal yeah. to me.
2: <laughs> he, okay, all right, well, and then Hannibal is so still. Hannibal like moves <laughs> nothing. It's like a mask, and then the other guy is just going nuts. I mean,
1: I'm gonna end up catching up at some point because the show's clearly beautiful yeah.
2: and everybody loves it. Uh, oh, it's it's fantastic. But I
1: just I watch it. and I'm like I don't. Is, is this is this supposed to be this funny? I can't figure it
2: out. It actually scratches my X Files itch a little bit. There's a lot of similarities. There's yeah. like a, the monster of the week thing happens, but then there's a continuing story. Um, Scully's in it,
1: <laughs> Scully's which is clearly in it.
2: on purpose, right? So like a hundred percent, like an yeah. jokey. Yeah. Uh, there's a great. Um, oh, so this one they talk about eugenics, and I think that's so that's such like a scary. That's such a dirty word, you know. And again, that guy uh, Darren talks about how you know we sort of defeated the Nazis. Because they were practicing eugenics, and that's not something we do now, sadly. Like, that's what we're doing, and we're not really towards any kind of goal, just to like, see if we can do it. Well, it's,
1: that's, what, that's what sets us apart from the rest of the mythology, and I don't want to spoil for people who are experiencing along. But eugenics and Nazi stuff plays a humongous part yes. later on in the series. Yes. And it is sort of interesting they come in. And because even this stuff is very similar to The Boys from Brazil, uh, which is the story of uh, cloning Hitler. Uh, what is that? I it's don't know. Uh, uh, Ira Levin's book. It was a, a movie in the seventies, um, and uh, you know it's sort of this. That's uh, a, a touchstone for this. Um, because a lot of X Files episodes are sort of like riffs on uh, existing media. And this is not. Certainly. This is not a hundred percent a boys from Bra- boys from Brazil thing, but you can sort of see where the the tendrils connect. And uh, but that's what makes it interesting. that This is a standalone thing because it's it's it treats these weird medical experiments so matter-of-factly because even again later on there's gonna be episodes that deal with stuff that's related to like the uh, the Tuskegee uh, the uh, Tuskegee oh, experiment yes. you know stuff like that like it's like you know oh, we did we did horrible things in the past in the name of science and we're very ashamed of it this one is like we did this really weird thing and it just didn't work out and yeah oh well
2: <laughs> 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 we've just locked uh, these we've yeah. locked them away forever live uh, and learn <laughs> <laughs> yep. That one ate the guys eyeball. So that sucks, <laughs> but
1: And it's really weird like that it's just it's so matter of fact. It's yeah. that's part of the universe breaking It's so open to it. it yeah. it's, just, it's a matter
2: of fact, it's like well, we we've, we we've, we cloned these kids. It didn't work, so let's just move along. It kind of makes sense then that this is a script from people who aren't X Files people. They're like they were never, you know, in the writers' room. They submitted the script. These guys rewrote it. I bet they added in, you know, Deep Throat and stuff. They like had that. to
1: add in all that stuff with Mulder being wrong about UFOs. That feels so specific yes. to where
2: the show is. In I bet its, they did. I in, bet in they evolution. added in the UFO thing. I bet they added in Deep Throat. But the 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 idea that it's not as secret as it should be that doesn't feel like something that would have come from you know. The, the X Files, right? Yeah, because
1: the tone is so important with how they approach this kind of stuff on the X Files, which is that in a, just a different science fiction monster of the week show, you just have a monster, it shows up, there's a secret behind it, the secret's discovered, and then you move along. That's how like it worked on Night Stalker, which is the show that really heavily. Influenced I've never me. seen that. Is that a great show? That comes up a lot in the message boards, it's and pretty, I've known of it. It's pretty good. Uh, you know, I. It's very much of its time, and it never found its feet because it never it didn't last long enough. Was it?
2: meant to be sort of campy or is it not campy? Is it fairly serious? I think it's right on the cusp of... And I'm,
1: to, to be fair, I, I only watched it when I was a kid. I haven't watched it again since. I watched a couple episodes that were on DVD uh, that got released a couple of years ago. But it felt like it was right on that Borderline of well, hey, it's a TV show with with a werewolf in it sometimes, so it's gotta be
2: silly. <laughs> right. You
1: know what I mean? Because the network didn't uh, understand how to do it otherwise. Okay. But they didn't want it to be silly. Right. But the network felt well. Like, Nobody's is- gonna take a wolf man seriously. <laughs> uh, so it has that 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 element to it. Um but the moral tone of the X-Files is not present in this episode because the moral tone is always about the danger of secrecy and yes. the, the things that we've done in the past that are bad yes. that are sort of like reflecting upon us today, and this yeah. episode doesn't have any of that moral tonality at all. Right. right. Although it sort of almost does in a weird way that it has the older Eve's, the older Eve trying to control the younger Eve's. Yes. So on a larger subtextual level, that sort of fits into the tonal morality of the show, which is that, what have we created yeah. unless we have to take care of it? But... The stuff with the government just doesn't work at all.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's very different from you know how the rest of the show is. Um, I thought this. I thought w- when Scully says when Mulder finally, you know, it's like maybe it's not aliens. The glee with which Scully says, "Does this mean you've abandoned your UFO connection?" is so <laughs> great. I loved it so much. Their and they, chemistry
1: is so great, and they
2: have a great moment where you know he gets the call. He gets the two clicks. Uh, in the hotel room from Deep Third, and he's like, Yeah, you have to go, you have to go. And she's like, Do you have a girl coming over? And Mulder's like, What's a girl? <laughs> 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 that, that was such a great exchange. That's right. Which is why this next episode that I started watching, though, you know, we're not going to talk about fire. There's this girl that shows up, this like from Mulder's smoldering past, and it doesn't work at right. all. Um,
1: no other woman ever clicks with Mulder the way that Scully does in the show. And they do, they throw a couple of women in the show. That you, every now and again, you're like, oh, is he going? And then it's like,
2: you don't, he clearly doesn't care. It's so no. weird. Isn't there one called Three that comes up later? That's these three people who are like vampires or something. Yeah, the vampire lady. And one. then yeah. she's like shaving Mulder and like they have some sort of weird. He, There's nothing. Not, it, like, nothing works. It and it thats work. that,
1: that That is one of those very skippable episodes where you're just like, Oh, he has no sexual chemistry with anybody. Yeah, uh, except her.
2: Yeah, the only reason it's not skippable, the only re- reason you should watch—well, I can't say it because this is going to be a huge spoiler. But it's—it's it's sort of it, in the the larger story of Mulder and Scully. That episode occurs. at sort of an important time. Yeah, but doesn't really contribute anything to it. But it's sort of—it's an, in, an interesting to, one to watch from that. Um, oh, there's another great moment in this where they're like, we're going to find the girl. Mulder's like, we'll find her. And then Scully goes, and then what do we do? That, that's fucking true, man. You have these like, <laughs> these children who they think are going to turn evil later. Right. They're like, well, there's no way really like there's no satisfying end to this story. Right. We're going to have these like horrible children. It's such a great little moment where they're 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 like, I don't know what we're gonna do once we <laughs> once we achieve what we're trying to achieve, what happens then? I don't know. Somebody else's problem.
1: My favorite moment in the episode is when they're chasing the girls after they've been poisoned and they're at the truck stop. Oh yeah. And they Mulder catches them and then yeah. the trucker comes out with, with his, his gun. gun. Uh, and I love that little bit. It's just like a really funny little bit, like uh it's just, it's comedic, it makes sense, it works. Yeah. Uh, and I like seeing him be so ineffectual. Yeah. He is not a man of action in any no. real
2: way. I like that very much. No, he's like a total, like, yeah, he's not like an alpha guy. Right. He's like kind of a pussy a little. Right. Bit. He can't
1: talk his way out of that. He can't,
2: <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's not able to pull a gun fast yeah. enough. He's Scully just... has to come in and be like, listen, we're, we're in the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a great little moment. Um, I thought the name Digitalis, I don't know what it is, but that's a great poison name. It's a real poison? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the plant that they're harvesting? I forget what it's called, but that that's what they're using to... Um... I forget. I, I forget, but I thought that was cool. Uh, I thought the twist we talked about this a little bit, that Sally Kendrick is actually good. I thought that was a fun thing. I did not see that coming. I like
1: her a lot, too. She was good. She's a really good
2: actress. She yeah. really works. Um... She really, like, lectures it up in that room where she's like, I bit his eyeball, and then she does that, like... <laughs> Thing, yeah. which is basically the fava beans and the nice yeah, Chianti doing thing, more or less. Yeah, but yeah. it really
1: works, and I, I it, it, she, she can go that broad there because she's creating a different character than yes. the other Eve, so it's nice, it works. You yeah. feel like you're looking at two different characters.
2: And I thought those girls, they found like good twins to play. Like they're never hamming it up; they're like totally flat the right. whole time. It's very, very creepy. They look, you know, I don't want to say these children look creepy, but these children look creepy. Yo, I looked them up. Um, what's the story? Well, one of them, at least, they're, I'm assuming both uh, got cute. They got cute.
1: Yeah, oh, the, there was a there was a picture of of one of them, and I'm assuming since they're twins, <laughs> the other one did as
2: well. Uh, I was like, oh wow, she looks nice. They could not. I you know later in the notes I read, uh, the they could not find like they were gonna just have one actress and then have do split screen and shit, but then they at the last moment find these found these girls who like turned out to be perfect for it. Which, you know, without those girls, whenever it's split screen, you could always tell, especially like ninety-three. Oh, it would've looked like shit. Yeah. It would have looked like shit. Um This is real bad. There was a uh with the mom at the end, I thought that scene was a little totally weird where she's like, you know, the mom's of one of the daughters where she's like, She was not my daughter. She was she never was. And then she just burns her picture. Like, you this for eight years you thought this was your yeah. daughter. You can't just have Closure through fire, like, so quickly.
1: Clearly a TV show written and directed by men. <laughs> yeah, okay. like, this is how
2: clearly females clearly. behave. This is how my mom was, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had a real hard yeah. upbringing. She would uh, tear me out of pictures and then set them on fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and just because of the law and orderness of it, I wanted this to happen, where they say... um, uh, well I, I put that down w- why does it have Eve numbers on the door? It was in the program a secret. Where they like Eve eight shows up at the end. They I wanted the girls to be like, you can't Eve eight us. Like Eve eight <laughs> us. But they, they didn't go for that, which is very sad. Um yeah and then uh, that guy uh, Darren from Movie Blog he talks a little bit about uh you know how we uh, uh you know Nazis were practicing eugenics and were sort of doing that on the show so like you said it's a lot of like you know past coming back to haunt us like we're doing the things we you know stop other people from doing the other thing he talks about a bunch in his article he says he says the 90s was when there were a lot of like uh, kid murders and stuff started happening where kids sort of start killing people he says that that same year two 10 year olds murdered a toddler in the UK I remember that being a big, big story and then he says the 90s end with Sort of the Columbine thing happening, so he says. I don't know if it's true, but that the nineties is when the school shooting culture started happening. Yeah, I mean,
1: sort of. I, you know, the idea of evil kids has always, oh, been of a course, thing. yeah, it's been uh, awesome. And th- th- this episode is very strongly in uh, the line with a lot of the evil kids stuff that had come before, and especially the idea that. Th- the idea that the evil kids aren't just bad, but they're way smarter than we are. Yes. That's what, that's, that's mean, what makes omen evil kids scary. The evil kids, I mean, you know. the, the omen, you know, um, I, it's so funny is that um, I was talking to my dad about The Exorcist, which came out mm-hmm. um, two a month and a half after I was born. And my dad said to me, if, if The Exorcist had come out a year earlier, you would have never been born. Like the evil kid business in The oh. Exorcist was enough <laughs> that we just
2: never would have had you.
1: <laughs> and so I mean that you know that that was always there. Yeah, uh,
2: evil uh, kid thing. I mean it makes sense. You know they're innocent. You want to protect them. What if they're the evil ones? I mean it's like a pretty obvious sort of uh, thing to subvert.
1: And it's it's especially it's the idea of the evil kids being smarter. Man, and there's a movie that I'm blanking the name on that is very much this. Uh, I want to say it's like the dumbwich Horror or something like that. Uh, which is probably not, and somebody's gonna get really mad in the comments about it. Um, but where uh, it's 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 a it's a village, a village, village of the damned.
2: Uh, boy, this is embarrassing. I've seen Village of the Damned for sure. Uh, that's the one with all the the kids who all look the same. Yeah, I mean that's what yeah.
1: that's what the t- the other touchstone for this is. Like, yeah, they're all they're smart. They're they're, psychic, right. they're yeah. So it's, yeah. It's, it's it's definitely got that thing. So I think he's right. There was a lot of the 80s and 90s. Uh, it's the baby boomers. Having kids and then being afraid of their kids. Yeah. Uh, and so that the, the coverage of kid murder. Uh, was was cranking up a bunch because that's where the yeah. um, the video nasty stuff in the UK came from uh, was that there were these kids who murdered another one of their schoolmates after yes. watching a horror movie and that was like the, I think the mid to late 80s. Um, so that's what was happening but I do think that this is an, a, a very strong tradition yes. of, of, of kid
2: horror. The other thing that he talks a lot about that I hadn't thought of so if you remember when they go to the second house Mulder says it's almost a mirror image of the first house. He talks a lot about how it's sort of a comment on suburbia this episode yeah yeah he talks about you know he says uh communism was a source of much discomfort and unease and you know we, we sort of you know american capitalism was the opposite of that it's about individuality and then suddenly uh you know now we have all these suburbs and it's everything sort of starting to look the same it's the same restaurants he says one meal in the middle of the episode features three identical women sitting down to share a junk food meal together waiting for a fourth identical woman to show up uh it's implied that the eves even have something of a group mind when they say you know how do they know of each other's existence they just say we just knew um so he talks about you know the two girls might be the result of secret government experiments but they also seem to be the product of suburbia so i hadn't thought of that but that's interesting like x-files comments on that a lot like there's an episode later called arcadia that's about this um Gated community, right? Uh, but I, uh, that's a really interesting. Thing. Well, it is
1: interesting because if you look also historically, uh, the '90s is the beginning of like the starbucking of America. And, you know... uh, Is that right? Yeah, that's really where that begins. I mean, there had been chains and whatever before that, obviously, always. Uh, The history of the suburbs is really interesting because suburbs began after World War II, and it was uh, the first uh, suburb, as we would call it today, is a place in Long Island called Levittown.
2: Wait, when was this? Uh,
1: This was, like, in the late 40s, early 50s, and it was built for soldiers. And the idea was that all the buildings looked the same because they wanted to create a prefab community that soldiers could come home and move into. Yeah. And that just sort of became... The model, as um, as uh, demographics changed in the cities, as the cities became more black and white people began fleeing the cities, uh-huh. they began moving into these suburbs, which all were constructed to look the yeah. same because it was an easy way to create a prefabricated community yeah. around a false town center, which would be your mall yeah. or your strip mall. And then in the 90s, you begin with the idea—and it always had been, obviously, changed. McDonald's, McDonald's and all those things yeah. always ex- existed— but the 90s is when you begin to really see this happening in a humongous way where all of a sudden it's the Walmart stuff happening. It's all of a sudden it's the big box coming in. It's, it's the chain muscling out the mom and pop. Yeah. It's the downtown areas are dying. Oh, yeah,
2: Blockbuster killing all the small video, video stores. stores.
1: Yeah. That's the 90s. That's where it's all beginning. So that's a really interesting connection for him to make uh, because this is 100% ground zero of – The the whole Starbucking phenomenon.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I was just on tour, I drove through a bunch of the Midwest. You know, we drove like a total like fifteen hours of Milwaukee, Chicago, Minneapolis. It's interesting. It's the same restaurants over and over. All the exits, exactly the same place. It almost you go into a town, they all look the same. It's almost like you know, old video games would just have like a little bit of the scenery and then they would just style it over and over. They would repeat it. That's what it felt like. Just like one place that has just been, you know, they just replicated it over and over and just lined it up. It's
1: you know in the Midwest it's especially disorienting because the Midwest has so few geographical landmarks. There's nothing. It's flat. You may have you may go to sleep in a backseat of a car for nine hours and wake up and it's exactly the same place. place. Yeah, Yeah. it's really disorienting.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. It was interesting because we could be like, no, let's just wait for this restaurant. Because you know, potbelly is a sandwich place that's now sort of popping up everywhere. And it was this small, you know, chain, and now I'm a little like, oh man, now it's popping up everywhere. That kind of well, sucks. that's the
1: weird world we live in. Is like where you're like, oh man, I like when this was a small chain. Yeah, not just like
2: one. Be like, man, I like when there's only like
1: 200 of these. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the those were the
2: days, man. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so this episode, uh, it this comes after a three week break. It actually does pretty well. Oh, bagels here. So I just landed. (laughs) People should know. We're recording this in my house. I landed an hour ago. We've been away from Bagel all week. She's very needy. And I'm surprised that it took her this long She's to come in. Though. She's beautiful. She really is a gorgeous cat. She's got a great coat. Uh, this episode does much better than the last one. 6.8%, uh, 6.4 million households. And the interesting thing about the way the X-Files fourth season goes is it starts off okay, and then it really dips, and then it ends higher than the premiere, which doesn't really happen that much. So this is the beginning of sort of people catching on. And I guess conventional vis- wisdom would be, you know, fallen angel before, fallen angel uh, the episodes weren't great, the, the the two before that. So you would think that a bad episode would lead to nec- bad ratings the next time, and then the good one would lead to ne- good ratings the next time. So that sort of seems to be what's happening. Le- bad episodes lead to Fallen Angel not having good ratings, but that's a good episode. So now the next one's sort of starting to climb back up a little bit.
1: I think it'd be also interesting to look, and obviously you don't have this, what Fox decided to do in that three-week
2: hiatus Oh yeah, were, they, what did they, were air? they repeating
1: interesting things? Were they doing good promos? Well, I
2: know in Seattle there were showing the Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Turtles, Turtles movie. movie, yeah, which is too bad. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: uh, but yeah, I'm curious if if Fox decided because it is so interesting because the idea that this show should have been canceled and it's just because Fox had nothing—they had nothing going, going on. on, yeah. Uh, you know, which is how UPN got a whole season of Homeboys from in outer space. There was nothing else going on. What? What is this show? Home, home? You don't remember homeboys, homeboys in Outer Space? No. Is this from this era? This from right around the same time. A little bit later than this because Fox was the fourth network and then UPN started up and they had uh, Homeboys in Outer Space and they had um, – well, What are Homeboys? Uh, it was uh, hip-hop. Are there black people? Uh, there was a white guy and a black guy I think. Okay. Uh, and they also had the name – I forget the name of the show – uh, it was a sitcom about a slave in Lincoln's oh House. I've heard
2: of this where they're like they said like the first 30 seconds you see a guy hanging from a tree and they're like that <laughs> is not funny <laughs> yeah. we're not there yet we're not ready for this so this is
1: a real weird this is a real weird
2: period in American yeah. television so X-Files really uh, lucked out uh, so this episode these guys J- uh, James Wong and Glenn Morgan who You're are like you know two of the geniuses of the X-Files yeah who then went on to do like Final Destination and stuff uh, they actually said that this episode was really hard for them to edit. Uh, they they thought that the actors were really good at it, and that's what kind of uh, pulled it off. But they said that they had a hard like they had to do a lot of rewrites on the script to like get it to work. Chris Carter uh, really loves the episode. He said Eve was an amazing episode because it was beautifully rewritten by Morgan and Wong. They did a fantastic rewrite job. This is from the complete X Files behind the series, the myths, and the movies. He said the director brought some interesting stuff to it. There's a great shot in this one where I think it's towards the end where the camera's on the other side and you see Scully's face through like a series of pipes that are stacked up. It looks really cool.
1: It's This is a tough episode because it's a it's just a real talky episode. Yeah. The
2: murders have already happened when the
1: episode begins. That's right. There's nothing else going on. So oh, it's really yeah. just very much standing around and talking and not a lot of action. And because it's kids, there can't be a tremendous amount of action
2: with, with, with the kids. Oh, that's right. They said that they wanted to. The hard thing about this was they couldn't hire kids in L.A. and fly them over there because the guild that they would be in wouldn't allow them to work for too long, so they had to get Canadian kids because then they could really like put them through the ringer. So it's like sweatshop uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in Canada for child actors. Yeah, he said uh, he liked Harriet Harris, who played the older Eve, uh, was excellent. Those two little girls. We're also wonderfully understated and creepy. That's from the same book, um, and he says that he really liked the uh, cold open because it is really great. That the dad sitting on the um, the, the the swing with the puncture wounds yeah. in his neck it's like a really creepy, fantastic it's a great, image. It's
1: it's so clearly the image that begat the episode that somebody was like, "Yeah, dad on the swing, dead." Yeah. Why? How is he dead? Yeah. Oh, his his blood's been sucked out. Oh, that's pretty cool. Here we go. And it's neat because it does. You can see how Mulder jumps to the UFO stuff because uh, uh, cattle mutilation was such a big part of UFO culture at the time. Right. The idea that aliens would come down and cut the assholes out of cows. Yeah. Which is what they did. And it's the only reason why they, you know when you begin to research it. The reason why they The reason why they took the aliens took the eyes and the assholes of the cows is because it's the softest part of the animal, so a cow would die, and a predator would just come eat the eye and the asshole. And, oh, but, you know, cattle. The, the oh. cattle mutilations are weird thing because you would hear these stories of like entire herds getting taken out. Okay, but it's like sort of weird and hard to figure out what was really yeah. going on. A lot of cattle stuff that you saw like in the media
2: ended up just being like,
1: oh well, a predator. Aiden.
2: I like the idea of, like, two predators showing up and one being like, I call the eyes. and am like, fuck, I get the asshole again. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> we get an alternator or something. So now this part, this is interesting on the message boards because up until now, there is no X-Files subgroup. I'm going to alt.tv.sci-fi or alt.sci-fi.tv. Uh, December 1st, in that hiatus period, someone sets an X-Files subgroup on, and what happens now is that people are Some people are really upset that x files has its own subgroup they don 't think it deserves it so there 's a lot of people showing up and kind of trolling the fans here uh, a lot of people so this guy is like um, well this guy I just wanted to read him because he's such a fucking he's like a little nitpicking out. Oh, having just finished a course in genetics I feel inclined to gripe a little about the genet- genetics in this episode then he goes on to describe specifically why this is impossible meanwhile uh, he misspells the word protein so <laughs> I don't know if this is a guy uh, that we should have. there's another person who's like I've begun to notice some flaws emerging Mulder knows way too much come on does nothing surprise this guy also, I found the start of the show way too predictable. Two is T-O, which is, you know. And then they go on to talk about how much better Briscoe County Jr. is than the X-Files. <laughs> oh, and then there's these weird theories happening. Someone, So now these people are coming in poking holes in their favorite show. right? And the X-Files nerds are like jumping through hoops. To justify, they're like, uh, well, since Mulder knows so much, maybe he is one of the Adams. So they, you remember it's Adam and Eve. Wow. So that's their theory. They're like, wow. Deep Throat is probably assigned to monitor the progress of the only success of the litchfield experiments. Mulder has shown his high intelligence. Parentheses, he knows everything. <laughs> 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 what are you talking about? Great physical strength. I don't know if that has happened. And psychosis. <laughs> Remember the one episode where Scully listens to a tape of one of Mulder's psychiatric sessions? Going to a psychiatrist doesn't mean you have psychosis. Look, it was the 90s, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to a therapist, you're a fucking psychopath. Um, and then uh, and, and a lot of fights happen here. Uh, There's one person who says... Um, uh, they're like you see there are lots and lots of people on this earth who get great enjoyment out of ridiculing things that other people like there is nothing on this earth that someone can't find something nasty to say about so these people are getting like really butthurt over this uh, then one guy's uh, talking but he says on one hand they've demon- demonstrated that the secret echelons of the US government is so powerful they can do anything it wants so now th- there's one guy his name's Bear and he's just going around trolling everybody and uh, he responds with, "They've demonstrated nothing. The writers may have portrayed that, but this is a work of fiction, not a documentary." <laughs> and the, the first guy responds, "Really, a work of fiction? Are you sure? My God, did it occur to you that I might be referring to the U.S. government as portrayed within the series? And within the series, they have demonstrated that the U.S. government can do whatever it wants." And the other guy's like, "Well, you didn't say specify that it's the work of fiction," and then they just go back and forth about this.
1: This is, you know, this is a real halcyon day of trolling. Uh, yes. Because today it would just be like Mulder's a faggot. Yes. But like. And full sentences just, are being constructed, sen- it, but it's like he's like poking these really ridiculous logical yeah. holes. I, I, I kind of, I kind of respect there. Well, this he really th- went to the. He went all the way with it.
2: Yeah, Bear goes. Try reading a book, <laughs> which is basically calling someone a faggot. That's what that is. That's the proto version of that. Uh, He says, uh, I've only seen a few episodes, the New Jersey one, stupid, the reptilian slime serial murder one, predictable, unbelievable, and stupid. I don't (laughs) think it can be predictable and unbelievable. Like, those things shouldn't go together, right? And the one I don't even remember, none of these... Uh, uh, was even slightly interesting. A guy kills five people every 30 years. He's talking about tombs. Yeah. Who cares? (laughs) That's that's an acceptable loss. (laughs) Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Five every 30 years. That's not that much. Uh, He's talking about Mulder. He says, this guy's a character I simply can't sympathize with at all because he's shown as smart enough to figure out every bizarre mystery that happens, but he doesn't even have a vague ability to deal with anything. Is this supposed to explain why there is no proof of real UFOs and shit because everyone who knows anything is incompetent or controlled by <laughs> aliens. Uh, and then uh, there's another, there's, there is one dumb guy who's like, are these true stories? And then, of course, all the trolls Ooh. jump on him. Yeah, that's crazy. Poor bastard. Uh, this is also uh, uh, another person says, listen, I hope Mulder and Scully never consummate their weird and subterranean love affair in a Sam and Diane way. That's obviously cheers. You know, whenever a show becomes popular, someone's waiting to see the principal characters act out some sort of s- sociobiological drive to reproduce. I don't know what that means. Of course I can't respect the actor who plays Mulder after seeing him in an even worse movie than the X-Files, California. <laughs> he was good in Beethoven, went up against a furry Saint Bernard, when placed against extraterrestrials, however, Mulder has limited appeal. So it's all these people on this message boards who are like calling the plot laughably bad. I gave it a chance and they hate it. They really hate Mulder specifically. They say he speaks in a monotone. He does. Um so I thought that was really interesting that these guys are like we're seeing these sort of flame wars. Happening. I
1: I I like that. I like that a lot. It's uh, it's
2: it's it's actually sweet. Uh uh I'm surprised nobody brought up Red Shoe Diaries. Oh yeah, Which obviously he had been in. Yeah. Zalman King just died a few months ago, yeah. I believe. Yeah. 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 Um yeah, I saw I saw a bunch of those Red Shoe Diaries. I wasn't wa- watching them for Mulder at the time. <laughs> oh god
1: it's funny how Red Shoe Diaries and California came together for his post X-Files career
2: they really did Californication yeah yeah yeah, and he's like a obsessed with – he's making a new album, by the way, David Duchovny is. No. He's putting together a whole album. Go on YouTube. He has like a little teaser of it, no. and it's him. You know the things that they always do of like him with huge cans, like yeah. singing into a, in a booth, yeah. and then just like chilling out at, at, with the other musicians. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: You know, I don't want to hurt your chances of ever getting David
2: Duchovny on the no, podcast. No, don't. Uh, don't say it. Don't, 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 <laughs> don't, don't. He's going to come. He's going to come. He's the best. I bet his album is going to be fantastic. I can't wait to listen to him.
1: You should definitely have him on to promote the record. I think yeah. like-
2: <gasps> Oh my god. This is going to happen. This is oh perfect. Oh my god. Uh the X-Files files live.
1: And then uh he could play he comes out and plays songs in front of a crowd. Oh my god. That's a special episode.
2: All right. I am going to work. Well, that's the thing I told people. I was like, uh hey, you know, please send recommendations, but don't say David Duchovny. And then people are like why don't you want him on? I'm like, it's not that I don't want him on. It's, a, it's just so obvious that I want him on. <laughs> don't tell me people, you know, like someone said Jimmy Kimmel is a big ex son. I'm like, that's a great, right. that's a great suggestion. I, di- I didn't know that. Uh, and then a lot of people are talking about the telepathy thing, telepathy thing. Are they like, do we know? And uh, uh, how can they sort of uh, uh, be connected in this way? Uh, people are sort of coming on and trolling him and being like, that's stupid. That doesn't exist. And, People are saying, well, I guess the r- writer's logic was that since they are clones, their thro- thought processes are almost identical. Hence, both Bones- of them had this urge to kill their fathers at the same time. So that's really kind of a stretch, really jumping through hoops here. Another fun thing is that right before this episode, apparently they aired, this is December 10th, so they aired a Christmas commercial, Well, where Mulder's looking through a telescope, and he's uh, like, he's out there. And Scully says, who? And Mulder says... Santa.
1: Why isn't that on the DVD? <laughs> it should
2: be on the DVD. <laughs> so people really like that. On like YouTube, that. we
1: gotta find that. Yeah, That's amazing. I gotta find
2: that. Yeah, people well, really like that.
1: It's so interesting listening to the, the, they're talking about telepathy because as the show goes on, it becomes clear that um, anything is game. Like oh any, yeah, of course. But right now, it's not clear. No. To them, like later on, there's like Bigfoots and there's all kinds of things. And, but and they've have the has the uh,
2: werewolf episode happened yet? Well, they, the I don't Jersey know. Devil, right? Jersey Devil, they did. And then there's a werewolf one called Shapes, which is Native American werewolves. But I think that happens after this. So this show is sort of training the audience to be like, listen, we can kind of do anything. And just take it. Ricky Carmona, who was on last week's episode, had a good point. He was like, listen, even when they're bad, no other show was doing this. So I'd watch a show that wasn't great if it had like werewolves in it cuz there was no other show that had werewolves in it. It's such a fascinating thing it continues to this
1: day with fans is that once upon a time there was no there were no shows with werewolves or spaceships or whatever. So if you were a nerd you watched every show that had those things yes. no matter how bad they were. That unfortunately continues today even in a world where we have plenty of shows like that. So all kinds of terrible shows get fan because bases. There's
2: so many of those. There's so many CW shows with like young vampires yeah. and stuff or True Blood which I've never seen. Uh, but there's so many Tomorrow of these People, shows, which is like a weird superhero we show. What's there's it so- called? Tomorrow People. Uh, there's
1: so oh, many. Yeah. There's the, the, one
2: called like Roseville or something the, like that. Uh, the, yeah. There was that one. The uh, there was uh, Ro- Ro- Roswell. Well, R- Roswell. But this one is a newer one, which is about like some town where everybody, all these like hot kids, have weird powers or something.
1: <laughs> it's it's just so weird that when X Files is on, there was nothing like that on TV, and there hadn't been nothing like that forever. And so you definitely had to tune in no matter what. Because yeah. You, when would you get a chance to ever see this? Tune?
2: Yeah. And even the bad ones, you know, I was watching. Like I said, up next, I'm going to talk about Fire, and um, I'm going to talk about Fire and Beyond the Sea, which I really like. I really oh, Beyond like the Beyond the Sea's Sea. is Really good. Yeah, that's a good one. Brad Dorif is yeah. fucking eating the ceiling in that one. Um, even when it's bad, the chemistry of the leads is so good that it kind of carries it through, and. You know, uh, it's still the show has like a very defined aesthetic already. So it looks cool, even if, right. you know, the, the story doesn't really hold up. Right. Um, well, thank you so much for coming, Devin. Thanks for having me again. Uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll have you back, obviously, later. Um, you know, um, the next sort of big, uh, maybe I'll have you back for the be- next like big myth art. Yeah. Bring me story. for a myth one.
1: I've done a couple of like, semi-monster of the week so far. Yeah. So bring me for I want to do a good myth episode. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well we had, you know, Fallen Angel was kind of like sort of
1: like it's in touching in uh, Yeah.
2: It's becoming, you know, the the myth arc is sort of coalescing. I, I think the fact that, you know, whatever the next myth arc one is, you could show to someone and not like you know have them you wouldn't really have to catch up catch them up at all right so it hasn't really like gotten going yet I think by the end of the season and the beginning of the next season is when it really starts becoming like a big story I'm just excited when you get to like season 8
1: And I'm just sitting here on your couch, and I'm like,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, I I I put it on. I put the episode on. I mean, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, you know, T1000
2: is good in it, but.
1: Yeah, gosh. I really.
2: Annabeth Gish's character really bugged me because she's basically like Deanna Troy or something. (laughs) it's It's that kind of thing it's oh, a real bummer later yeah, but there's a lot of great ones coming up I was looking at season two today and there's so season many two kills so many great episodes all the myth ones are great and you've got humbug which is a great episode yeah. it's so good that I thought it was season four or five uh, that one's great host is really good um there's a bunch of really oh dwayne is, Barry which is, is
1: season two the season that has the Ending with the train and the, I believe so. That's like my favorite, like myth arc. I
2: think that's two. That one's really good. good. There's a there's a bunch of great stuff with Scully in season two. Dwayne Barry and Ascension's maybe my favorite two parter. Uh, It works as like a great movie, and the guy who plays Dwayne Barry is really fantastic. And that happened season two. So, you know, season one has some missteps, but it really, you know, when it hits, it really hits in season two. I was looking at it, I was like, I don't think I would skip any of these episodes.
1: Yeah. So you're skipping through season one?
2: I skipped a couple. Well, the reason I'm skipping is, one, I've seen them you know, three times. I don't need to see them four times to know that I don't like them. And it's, the show is, if, if you're a fan of The X-Files then you know the episode you don't right. need to hear me talk about it you could just watch it again or if you're not a fan of the X-Files I don't want people to hit a snag this early into the right. show because you can have a run of like three pretty bad episodes and then be like all right the good ones were just a fluke right because it's still pretty 50-50 in season one so I just want to help people like skip through the ones that would really you know put a bad taste in right. your mouth so that's the reason for that
1: well Fallen Angel and Eve are great episodes to watch
2: great episodes to watch great so. episode to watch uh, all right thanks for coming i uh, plug
1: your shit. Uh, I, I write for a website called BadassDigest.com uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Devin D-E-V-I-N-C-F. Uh, thanks so much for coming. Thank you.
2: Hey, thank you for listening to that episode. Um, please email us at the Xfilesfiles at gmail.com. I say us. It's just me. I read all the emails. Um, and we get some fantastic emails. I got one, so I've mentioned Autumn Tisco as one of the uh, reviewers, as one of the initial reviewers of the show who's writing these really smart reviews, and I've referenced her a couple of times. Well, two days ago, I got an email from a certain Autumn Tisco. And I'm going to read you that email. Kumail, just wanted to thank you for the name check in the podcast. I'm really enjoying listening. It's, it's like how my friends and I used to talk about the show. It's funny because I got so burned by the way it all went to hell that I did, could not even watch it, even my favorites, for like 10 years. Recently, a few friends and I decided to dip our toes in again and rewatch from the start, even the crappy episodes, which, to be honest, I think you're doing yourself a disservice by skipping because they can be hilariously bad and give you great material. The show stands up. I still get the feelings I had back then. I know it was going to go to hell and makes, make no sense, but damn, I am I am enjoying the ride again. The acting is still inspiring for a Fox show about aliens. And dude, serious props on actually pronouncing my name right and visiting that oldest shit website that someone else actually created for me back in the day because I had no idea back then how to even make a website. Made my day. By the way, my very best friends today are all people I met because they thought smart is sexy and loved that show. I've seen at least 10 marriages and many lifelong friendships in my group of Scully fans alone. Some of us still get together every year to vacation together long after we stop talking about the X-Files. Thanks for taking me back with the podcast. You would have fit in great with my gang, Autumn Tisco. So uh, that's a really, really f- fantastic email to get. And I'm going to find um, another one. This is another this is a longer email uh this is from connie m i'm not gonna say the whole name uh way way back when not everyone had a personal computer much less the internet me and a large group of ladies would log on to the discussion boards on the official x x files website Immediately after the show, to discuss each episode, there I met people from all over the world and friendships developed. Of course, my friends and family thought I was nuts, but the more I talked to these women, the more I discovered we had a lot in common. Eventually, we all exchanged phone numbers and talked on the phone at great length besides talking on the X Files board. This went on for about a year. Then, in May of 1997, one of the ladies that lived in New York City at the time invited us to descend upon her place for a four day weekend of watching X Files episodes that she had recorded. So, again, you know, uh, People were recording these episodes, and you sort of had to go to the people who had the VHSs. Back to the letter. I wanted to go but couldn't afford the plane ticket. Guess what? Eight people chipped in and bought a round-trip flight for me to join them in New York. That was a mind-blower back then. It's a mind-blower today. That's an amazing thing for these ladies to do. Well, off I went to actually meet these ladies face-to-face, and I had a great time. While I was there, we discussed having a get-together once a year, and I immediately proclaimed that I wanted to host the following year. We decided to call our gathering Mulderstock sent out an email blast to the rest of the ladies that couldn't attend to make plans for May of 1998 in California. It happened. I had 14 ladies at my house from stock 98. We even had t-shirts done and we wore them on several outings. I think that would be awesome to see just a bunch of women wearing Mulderstock t-shirts like walk into your TGI Fridays. Um, in the evenings, everyone would gather in my living room to watch and re-watch X-Files episodes. Some ladies, those that lived locally, only stayed two or three nights. Others from out of state stayed a week And yet others came from Puerto Rico and England and stayed for two weeks. It was lots of fun. LOL. We had one more mall to stock the following year with a smaller group, and then the gatherings fizzled out. There's still a small, core group that still stays in touch either by text, email, or Facebook. We visit each other when we can, and we're still very good friends. We still joke about putting an X on our living room windows with duct tape when one of us is coming to visit. Oh, that's adorable. Um... I even went to England in 2008 to visit the ones that had come out from Walter Scott's Stock 98. There's so much more I could tell you, but I don't want to turn this into a 56-page email, Connie. Um, so those are the couple of really good ones. Um, so every week I'm going to try and get through a couple of them because there's so many fantastic emails. Thank you so much for writing. Please continue writing the files at gmail.com. And another thing I would say, please go and review the show on iTunes. You know, we're ranking pretty well on, on iTunes right now, and that's a... That's a really good way to sort of keep the show uh, high up in the rankings and to, um, you know, in the high profile the show is. The more attention we get, the the better chances I have of getting uh, higher profile guests. You know, I mean, I want to get David Duchovny and Julian Anderson and everybody on here, obviously. So uh, please go and review the show if you like the show. If you don't like the show, wait a little bit. Uh, thank you for listening. Oh, next episodes we're talking about, um, I'm going to be talking with a couple guys. Uh, it's Jeff Rubin and Pat Castles. Um, one formerly of College Human, one currently of College and We talk about fire and Beyond the Sea. Uh, if you're going to skip one, skip fire, go to Beyond the Sea. Beyond the Sea is a fantastic episode. And I'm getting a lot of emails asking people to uh, start having women on the show. I really want to. I do. And I have, you know, a bunch of ladies lined up who are going to be on the show soon, so trust me. um, uh, We're going to have... uh, Because I know that the X-Files had a huge um, female audience, so obviously it would be great to uh, have uh, females on the show, and that is going to be happening very, very soon. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Bye-bye.
0: Hey everybody do you like getting stoned and watching a movie or
2: just watching a movie well then check
0: out our podcast i am weed, weed where we and i guess go to the movies and discuss it after a movie review podcast with a little token twist get it oh boy but hey you don't have to smoke weed to enjoy this podcast uh, you should enjoy watching movies though subscribe to imd weed on itunes or your favorite podcasting app